killer, man. So thanks for the time and thanks for the music and woe to Vanquish. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for having me on the show and uh, thanks for checking out the new record. I'm really proud of this one, Woe to the Vanquished. I think it's uh, the culmination of our whole career musically. Proudest thing I've ever done by far. And uh, it's a real atomic bomb of a record. We made this one probably the most extreme thing we've ever done, but also the most uh, expansive and progressive. We tried to make the record kind of flow to where the, the first half is just pure devastating thrash. And then the second half puts in a lot of like black metal and progressive influences and gets real like dark and soul crushing by the end. So it's not just a thrash band. Kind of uh, evolving the sound a little bit. Yeah, and you know, most uh, most of the great thrash records you hear that you you know everyone puts on their top ten list aren't just thrash records. Uh, right. You know, look at Master of Puppets that had that has like two thrash thrash songs on it. Really, if you're talking about like uses the thrash beat, you know. Right. So it's it's a wider thrash metal. I and I've always thought this. It's a wider genre than people think it is. People will often say, "Oh, it's thrash," so you know what it's going to sound like. Not true at all. Kill them all versus Injustice for all could be totally different genres um, punishment for decadence coroner real technical or like watchtower in one direction and then you have on the other side stuff like demolition hammer is just that's leaning towards death metal you have stuff that's melodic stuff right. that's totally not melodic and everything in between so thrash metal really occupies a pretty wide space and it occupies everything between like traditional forms of metal and extreme metal too it's between all of that and so therefore I think it's really easy to incorporate either traditional metal influences like some heavy speed metal stuff right. or uh, or like extreme metal influences like black or death metal in there. I think we can kind of comfortably kind of stay rooted in thrash but have plenty of elements of all of that in there and uh, it gives us I think a, a unique bent and take on thrash metal yeah. that it's taken us a while to develop but there are elements of it from the beginning and I, I'm real, that's why I'm so proud of this record. I feel like you can't you can't attribute this one to any other band in the world even though this is a band that firmly formed in uh, in 80s thrash, 80s metal, and the old ways of metal. We want to do it in a new way, in the old spirit. So it really is a new era. Exactly. That's what we want to do, and we want to do it with the kind of passion and energy and uh, reckless daring with the writing that, uh, that old metal used to have. I think a lot of the post-2000 stuff, which is kind of what made me want to form this band, it became kind of by the numbers. Right. A lot of singers started sounding the same. We we wanted to reject all of that and just and do it the way with the kind of passion that we used to hear from records like Power Slave and Justice for All from Rust in Peace, Rain and Blood, all of those. We want that level of execution of writing. I think once we started the band, we knew that that's the direction we want to go. And now 10 years and five records later, I think we've made it there to where I can say we just made a record where if I get hit by a car on the way home and I die, I'm, I'm okay because I made this record it justifies my existence in my view because I love heavy metal and I got to make some metal that I really love. And, uh, you Put know, could spin on it. Of course, my own spin and some of the wonderful musicians I've gotten to work with throughout the years in this band. Uh, I think we have the best lineup now we've ever had. Uh, Carlos Cruz is probably the most underrated drummer in metal today. I'm just saying that I've never seen a guy, anyone, no matter how big a name that I've ever seen him and been like, that guy is better. I don't, I've never wow. I've never had that thought wow. especially recently the guy is and he's still young he's only 25 and uh, you know we're not uh, we're not like famous or rich enough yet that we can start resting on our laurels
barrels. So that means we're gonna get that means we're gonna get better because we're still hungry. <laughs> That's what it's all about. We come here. Uh, we live like an hour away. We're from Los Angeles. I yeah, we're in, in LA exactly. I live in the San Fernando Valley by the giant Budweiser plant. Okay. That's one of the reasons why I drink like any beer other than Budweiser. It smells like uh, moldy cornflakes. It's a right, very right. strangely specific. Smell. So you're like off the 210 and like the 605. Uh, uh, no, I'm uh, 405 and Roscoe to be precise. Uh, don't stalk me too. There's a lot of people that live off the 405 and Roscoe, so that's not specific. <laughs> and by the by, the Tommy Burger and the Budweiser plant. I try not to eat Tommy okay. Burger too much for my health, but I do like it sometimes. It's a good hangover cure. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. It's kind of its own hangover, though. <laughs> yeah, you'll forget all about the, uh, yeah, the booze yeah. and you're in a food coma. Yeah, afterwards. you get burgeritis instead. <laughs> yeah. how, do you, how do you do your In-N-Out? Um, In-N-Out, well, in my opinion, there's one way to do it. And people say Whataburger's better or whatever. But no, you're wrong. You're incorrect. California has the best fast food burger chain in the world, to my knowledge. And I've been over most of the world. So it's like Russia or India has one that beats us. I think it's settled. Uh, In-N-Out, this is the way to do it. Double-double, grilled onion, chopped chilies, extra toasted bun. What to drink? Neapolitan shake. Okay. It's objectively the best shake because it is the sum of all other shakes, yeah, and therefore it is mathematically greater. I'm partial to the lemon up, a little 7-Up and lemonade combo. Oh, yeah, that's always good. I, I normally just do Neapolitan shake, though. It's a... Uh, I don't know why, man. I just, it's, I've started doing it and I can't get over it. I'm stuck on it. <laughs> I'm glad you agree on Whataburger because I went there a few years ago and I was like, everyone, same thing. You got to go. You got to try it. Got off the airplane, went straight there, and I was like, meh. It's, it's good, but it's not good off the airplane, go straight there good. Yeah. You know, it, it's it definitely not. wasn't. <laughs> no, no. It's just like, oh, well, that's a burger, you know. <laughs> it's an above average fast food burger. Maybe like a, a cut above Wendy's or something, which right, is right. all right, you know. <laughs> Um, totally. Yeah, dude, touring teaches you a great deal about fast food burgers since we're on the subject. Uh, <laughs> way too much time eating those. But I'm one of those guys that if you ever say to me, like, hey, John, you want you want a burger, man? I'm There's like a 0% chance I'm going to say no. I'll ha I'm like, you know, Ted from Bob's Burgers in the same hamburger shop eating the same burger every single day. I could be that guy if I get, like, if I get older and have less to do with my life, I suppose. I could literally be that dude. Would you take burgers <laughs> over tacos? Oh, no. Okay. No, and, uh, tacos and burritos, which are collectively, you know, they're one. They're the yeah, same yeah, kingdom. Yeah. They win. They, they, Actually, I was say being from L.A., it's like you have to. My wife and I, we frequently say that of all, like, genres of food in the world, we would choose Mexican if we only had to have one. Yeah. Um, we'd choose Mexican food over Italian food, over French, over Chinese. You know, Chinese is an easy win. Um, that, that's my view on it. I just love Mexican food. And living in Southern California, we have great... We're raised on it. We're raised on it. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool thing. You know, uh, Southern California is interesting because of all the... It's a real cultural melting pot. We got everything here, you know? There's a great, like, Russian-Armenian place right near where I, live, where I eat all the time. You know, right. there's, there's all kinds of wonderful food here. And what's cool is I learned about all kinds of different foods from world travel, just for, like, going to a place. And then I find out that they have whatever the food I just found out about that I liked. They have it in Los Angeles already. It's one of the real great things about that city. Uh, I, I bitch about L.A. more than I praise it, but I, right. I, can, I can praise it for these things. It's got everything. <laughs> That's the real amazing thing. You don't really need to go anywhere else for any reason. Right. Whatever you're looking for, it exists in L.A. 
And the second thing is the metal scene here and the audiences. Best in the world for us. We really do get that hometown support. You know, the gig today, they put us up on the smallest stage at noon. Like, first guys on, I believe. And there was, you know, five minutes before we played, there's like nobody there. And we're like, oh, I'm all bummed. And then we... Like a minute before we start, whole field's full. Really? Yeah, it was, ins- and the pit just didn't stop. So I, I love playing in LA. Um, people here really embrace us as a hometown band. We've gone out all over the world representing Los Angeles thrash metal, and uh, you know we're the first guys to really do that uh, in on the a scale we have. Yeah, since since the two thousands. Yeah, since the two thousands, definitely. And I don't think there's any notable thrash bands from the nineties that I'm aware of. No, no. You know, sadly, that's not an era where you really see that kind of stuff. That's why uh, I think that's why it was such a big deal when uh, bands like us started coming around again because uh, it was like a major genre of metal that had its run disappeared was awesome. Like nobody really who's into metal ever goes, yeah, thrash metal sucks. Right. You know, what kind of metalhead is that? You know, what you don't like riffs, dude? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you. Speaking of thrash metal, who, who's your numero uno on the big four? Uh, the big four, I'd have to be a Slayer guy. Which you Slayer. might you might guess from our music. I, I'd rank them. My ranking probably goes Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth, and between two and three is the closest. Oh, that rivalry! And then uh, Anthrax rounds up number four, but very strong band nonetheless. Being uh, number four on the Big Four, you're still pretty up there on the overall realm of metal. Uh, but you know, other thrash that's like top tier for me is uh, just as good as a lot of those releases. Yeah, what would what would be the fifth if you added a fifth one? In? I, I wouldn't add a single fifth. I'm just going to name a few albums I particularly love for thrash metal. Uh, Sacrifice, Soldiers of Misfortune from Canada in 1990. Really good mixture of like brutal and progressive elements in the music. Uh, vicious burner of a record, like all my favorite thrash. Um, as you can tell, I'm a Slayer guy. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell from our music, too. Yes, we, we don't slow down too much. No. Uh, when we do, we try to make it a crushing slowdown, not a, not a soft one. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, we, I'd say also Creator, uh, Coma of Souls, if I have to pick one record for them, Extreme Aggression, Coma of Souls, fourth and fifth ones. Uh, I really like Demolition Hammer, Epidemic of Violence from New York, also 1990. I really like that era for Thrash because it's where, like, uh, right before it disappeared right. is where it totally grew up and you have uh, really technically advanced records coming out from all sides of the genre. Death you Angel know? came out then, Act yeah. 3. Like, Absolutely. That was a big record for that time. Like like you said, that 1990, that low from Testament 2, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Testament like, was doing good so, shit then. Like, it was, it was a good time, even though... It 89, the, 91. Yeah. You, know? you don't think of it, you think more like, oh, Thrash, it's like 86 is the year of the Thrash. Beneath, beneath the Remains is like 89, I think. You right. Know? But it arises 91. That's my favorite era of that band, uh, of Sepultura. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff. It's where it gets like fully evolved, but by like 93 or so, it's gone, and you don't see too many uh, releases. So I, I think... Uh, when I got into Thrash, I was looking at that era so much and just being like, what the hell happened? It's like these bands were pointing towards death metal, pointing towards black metal, pointing towards generally more like technical, technically advanced musicianship right. in extreme metal, and it all vanished all at once. And so I real, I really felt, and part of our mission was like, there's a ball here that needed to be picked up that right. just got left because death metal happened, grunge happened, and the whole music scene changed overnight. Um for me, regardless of what happens, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not the trendiest band in the world or anything. Uh, that thing we were a part of kind of came and went, and we're still around because we were never doing it for a trend. We were always right. doing it because 
well, this is sweet music and we intend to play it. God damn it. That's, that's all there is to it. And we're still here 10 years later. Not even because I want to be, because I, I sort of have to be at this point. What would I, what else would I do that would make me as happy as this, you know? I, Nothing I'll, better than standing on stage, right? No, and the real thing is, is because you see people having a great time to the music and uh, even such aggressive and vicious music like we play, I think honestly has a real uh, human element to it that a lot of people who don't get metal simply just don't get this. That in the world, if you're a person in the modern world, you gotta go to your job every day, you gotta struggle, you gotta do all this stuff that you, you know, in order just to get by and to be a respected member of society, to have any prospects of having anything you want at all. Right. You gotta, you know, um, and meanwhile, all this horrible, unjust stuff happens. You know, there's there's secret CIA proxy wars, there's drug lords, there's corrupt politicians, so, you know, and so on and so forth. And the world's just kind of a screwed up place, and you want it to be good, but it's, and sometimes it is, but it's not, in yeah. ultimately. And doesn't that make you angry, like anyone? That, I think, is the fundamental root of where metal comes from. And if you look at its origin from, like, the factories of Birmingham and these, you know, downtrodden factory worker guys, that's, they, you know, their expression of their, you know, anger and the stuff they feel about the world they live in comes out as, you know? And that's the thing I think most people really don't get about this music, because it actually is cathartic and really emotionally healthy for you. It kind of, in my experience, something like us, uh, Warbringer, all about uh, historical battles and the fates of civilizations and all stuff I like to write about, um, it's kind of, in a weird way, it's like hippie music told in reverse. Because the hippie music says, how wonderful would it be if we had peace and love? And a band like Warbringer, or, you know, like Disposable Heroes from Metallica or a song right. like that. You know, there's many of them throughout metal that share this message. It's kind of just says, how horrible is it that we don't? You know? <laughs> and, and being mad about that, like, everyone's mad about that. Everyone is. And so, something, so it's very universal and human and you don't need to be, I, I think you don't need to be, like, a stereotypically metal person to get something from this music that's very human and wide-reaching and has great artistic merit for expressing the way people feel in this screwed-up world. World. Um, sometimes I can't describe how I feel other than, right. you know, and I got five records of me doing it because it's that much that I feel that, you know. I think I think it should almost be like required listening for people. They should get that side out because everyone needs to scream no matter who you are. You need to release that pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And nobody nobody's immune to it. I agree, man. I agree. Even uh, even. You know, I don't know, Mother Teresa types or whatever. Guys, gets frustrated they have about bad something. days too. Yeah, you get frustrated about something. The Pope, you know, whatever. He's got to scream at a wall sometimes. And I think uh, the fact that this is such a, a music that's kept in its own weird little uh, subculture, it's kept in its own bubble, away from most of society. And people think you're kind of weird if you're into it, you know, by and large. I think that's very. Uh, very strange because those same people who have no idea what it is I do or think it's weird that I'm in a band with an angry sounding name uh, I'm like you know you could probably get a lot out of this music like right. I'm really happy I play this stuff it does it does wonders for me I'm a jolly fellow right. for the most part much more than before I started playing this before I got into this music because finally I heard music that uh, expressed some of the anger I felt about all kinds you know both the, the way of the world and then uh, how you might feel internally it's very common for people getting into metal to grow uh, to do so because they grow up with feelings of alienation or something. Right. Uh, very common. Because 
you know, and hell, if if everybody else is all into Kanye West and you think that sucks, you're kind of alienated by default, right? Because other people talk about this. This is how I was, and I, a lot of people feel this way, I think. Uh, the whole culture everyone's into and involved in, what if you just think all that's terrible garbage? That you're kind of stuck, right? You're not the best friend if, if you're like, oh, I think everything you like is awful, <laughs> even if you do so for good reasons. Right. So I think that kind of... Um, drives people who are in, you know, might feel that way. The outsider. The metal scene, the punk scene, why they are such outsider things, you know? Um, And I don't think they necessarily should be that much. But I think fortunately, uh, it is opening up, because it's just been around so long at this point, that now you see you see at concerts regularly, right there is a dad with his kid, you know, I see that every concert we play, and I, I played a hundred concerts this year, you know you see, uh, even then when I started ten years ago, I think you say, see way more women attending shows in the metal scene I think that's good, I think, you know, I don't think that you have to be a, a dude with long hair and a, a jean vest in order to listen to sweet guitar riffs, you should do it if you're like anyone who likes cool music, because I'm not here because this is so edgy and controversial or whatever, I'm here because it's awesome Awesome. Let me ask you one question as we wrap up here. Kind of looking back now, you did the one album with Gary Holt. Yeah, yeah, Waking Into Nightmares, 2009. How do you feel about it, like, looking back now on some time on it? Are you happy with it? Would you do that kind of thing again? Is there someone else you'd like to work with, maybe? I wouldn't have done that record any different from how I did. Uh, that was kind of a one-time thing, because Gary had time in the schedule, and it all just worked out. Um, we did our first tour ever with Exodus, and they so they kind of loved us at the time, took us under their wing, because we, yeah. uh, we were wild guns, like, young guns like they used to be. They right. said that we reminded them of them, which is a pretty high compliment. I'm really happy that yeah. that was the thing that was said and happened. So Gary, uh, you know, backed up his words in the highest way by producing our record. So forever, my heart goes out to that guy because he, he helped us out by doing that, by helping us get a really sick guitar tone and putting his name on and his sort of stamp of approval yeah. on us, who is still a, a very young and new band. And so uh, I think it made a, a scene more seriously among the thrash metal scene and just the metal scene. You know, one of the best old-time guys is putting his stamp of approval on on these young guys' work. It was really cool, and uh, I think that record's one of our stronger ones. We only wrote it in uh, two months, and we recorded it in 12 days. So it was the quickest record we ever did, probably up until this recent one, the most brutal as well. So uh, on Woe to the Vanquished, we wanted to go back to some of that Waking into Nightmares type of material where it is a little more death metal influenced and a little more chaotic and crushing, you know? (laughs) Cool, man. Thanks for the time. 